What's up everybody, how's it going? Travis here, and I wanted to thank you for joining us for this conversation. If you've grown up in the church, especially in a Word of Faith environment, mental health and counseling has had a negative connotation. If you've gone to a counselor, typically it's because you don't have enough faith or you're labeled as a crazy person. And today we're gonna be taking the stigma off professional counseling in the faith community. It's my belief that the church is in a health revival in all areas, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus needs us healthy. So we must be intentional in all of these areas and continue to serve and represent Jesus well. I have some very special guests with me today. Michelle Gonzalez Segundo is a third year student with Regent University pursuing a PhD in organizational leadership with a concentration in ecclesial leadership. She's certified with the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services in trauma care, sexual abuse, aggressive behavior management, and human trafficking. She's also a Texas licensed foster parent to at-risk boys and an ordained minister. Michelle and her husband of 19 years reside in South Texas with her two children. She enjoys coffee, music, Texas football, family, and all things cooking and baking. My second guest that I'm gonna be having today is Lacey Henderson. Lacey Henderson is a Texas native. She has a master's degree in clinical social work from the University of Texas at Arlington, as well as a music therapy degree from Sam Houston State University. She has over 10 years experience working in mental health. She currently resides in New York City, where she works full-time as a social worker and counselor. She's also involved with her local church in New York City. We have a great conversation prepared for you today, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Wow, you guys, Lacey and Michelle, I am so excited that you guys are here for this conversation today. Um, and just so you guys know, we are all proud Texas Bible Institute alumni, okay? That's something that we all have in common. We love Pastor Tommy, Pastor Rachel, and so they're the best. And to get us started, I'm really curious in your thoughts on why does the church need to talk about mental health right now? Michelle, we'll go ahead and start with you. I believe that it's important that the church addresses mental health because it cannot be denied that man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, he lives in a body. And if we want to address being healthy in our body, then we address eating good food, uh, the proper food, drinking water, taking supplements, exercising, and uh, spiritually, we attend church, we read our scripture, we worship, have our meditation time, and our fellowship with believers, And but a lot of times the soul part is neglected, and we think that the soul and the spirit are one, but the soul is our mind, will, and emotion, and the very heart of us, and so it needs to be addressed, and the church needs to address these things, because they're real problems that real people are going through. And so, and it's not just a pray away or worship your way out of it. Some people have actual physiological brain makeup and matter that is a result of either trauma or uh, maybe their parents um, were drinking or drugs or however their brain makeup is. And so um, these things need to be addressed and people have, uh, serious issues mentally, emotionally, 
coming out of quarantine, being isolated. Right. The enemy works in isolation, and we know that from a spiritual perspective. And so um, life was already hard enough before quarantine and COVID happened. And so we just we need to address this because it's a real issue. And if, if it concerns us, it concerns God. You said it. Absolutely. Lacey, where do you think mental health fits in with the church? Yeah, I think Michelle really hit on it. Um, there's a phrase that I always like to say, um, you can't counsel a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. And a lot of times um, people are trying to cast out the flesh when we are supposed to be renewing our minds. Um, and I think, I think the, um, what the world and a lot of Christians do these days is they try really hard to renew their emotions and renew their feelings and they're not renewing their minds. And we know even in the psychological world or scientific world, whatever you want to call it, research world, it starts with your mind. Your feelings can't be trusted. Whatever you're thinking is what you're going to feel eventually. So um, I think it's really important to not, just like Michelle said, not just worship your way out of things, not just pray your way out of things. Those are really important things. Yes. I want to stress that a lot because I'm going to say a lot of, I'm going to seem from coming from a secular standpoint, but nothing replaces worship and prayer. But sometimes um, we need help to renew our minds. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes you need friends. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, you look around yeah. <laughs> and you don't have healthy relationships in your life. You don't have healthy people. And then you're wondering why your life's a mess. There's root issues that are in the way. And that's why I think this big idea that we have to be we have to be aware that God will use people to speak into our lives. Okay. Yeah. And I was I was reading my Bible the other day. I was reminded of Jethro, okay? And Jethro was Moses's father-in-law. And Moses, we know he met with God, like very real. He saw miracles, all the whole nine yards. But it was Jethro that was able to counsel Moses. He said, hey, you are going to tire yourself out. You need to set up this structure that will support you, <laughs> uh, you know, professionally, yeah. emotionally, yeah. spiritually. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be right. open to yes like the lord is there for us but he will use people to speak into our lives because like that saying you know this isn't scripture but no man is an island you know we need each other mm -hmm. so i want to jump in with this first question um you can even talk to me i have a relationship with jesus so why would i need a counselor michelle would you get us started yes i believe that um even though you have a relationship with Jesus and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, sometimes we need people, we need Jesus with skin on. And so, and a lot of times if we are emotional, we're not thinking straight, we are overwhelmed, we have a foggy brain and we need, <clears throat> I always like to say, we need reinforcement. Right. We need reinforcement. We need somebody to mm -hmm. come in and help us see a different angle, give us a different perspective, and help walk us through these necessary steps. And believe me, it always is going to start with prayer. It's always going to start with the spiritual aspect. Yes. But, however, at the same time, we bring in, there's a wisdom 
there's wisdom in an abundance of counselors. So right. surround ourselves with people who aren't just going to tell us and feed into our depression and feed into our suicidal thoughts and tendencies or um, the abuse that we've been through. Oh, girl, pray it out. Jesus paid the price and you're going to be great. We need actual <laughs> practical steps to not, yeah. it's not an end all, it's not an end all be all, but it's okay. Where do I even need to start? What does this look like? And a counselor. And a lot of times me, I am not a licensed professional counselor. I have been trained in the state of Texas with, especially dealing with foster children and um, traumatic issues. And that spills over into the church because a lot of people who are trying to overcome mental anguish and emotional anguish is because of trauma that they've experienced, whether their trauma is severe or light. And so we need somebody to come come alongside us and give us these practical steps and continue to walk with us in a process. And it's not just a, I'm going to lay hands on right. you and you're going to be fine. I mean, if that happens, great. But at the same time, we God has built us and created us for community with one another. And so we mm -hmm. need to walk through these processes and practical steps and to be held accountable with those steps. So that what what does that look like? What does that look like with someone from the church who loves Jesus? The first thing they're going to say is they feel guilty. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed. They feel like their right. faith is not enough, that um, Jesus is not enough. What am I doing wrong? God must not love me. Why am I going through these things? And none of those things are true. The fact is you have so much trauma that usually goes back to your childhood that we need start um, helping you to unwrap it's too much for you so I'm going to walk you through and a lot of times people will just end up having a meltdown and then mm -hmm. in that space in that space you believe that Jesus wasn't there with you why did God let this happen God was there with mm -hmm. you in that moment this is a, a result of sin men's right sinful nature and that was not God's intention so we have to let Let's separate, and this is how I've worked with people too, what is fact and what is truth. The fact is, I feel lonely. What is the truth? God's word says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. He never left you, even when those things were happening. It didn't mean he wanted those things to happen. Let's talk about the truth, not just fact. Your feelings are fact. But what is the truth? What does the word of God say in that? I could go on, but I'll let Lacey. Lacey. I love it. I love the, <laughs> no, that's the great. practicals. Absolutely. Lacey. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this picture that I have that I tell people, um, if you can imagine somebody who's kind of bound by depression, anxiety, or whatever, um, just imagine them in a jail cell with, with chains and the jail cell is locked. Um, in the spirit, we can break those chains open. We know that. Jesus, but in the name of Jesus, those things are broken. So the door can be like flung off the hinges and you can no longer be attached to chains, but your, your oppression, you, that's your identity now. And sometimes it requires help to um, form a new identity and walk out of the jail cell. A lot of people are freed, but they choose to stay sitting they've made you know they've set it up they've made it pretty it's comfortable it's familiar to, absolutely right it's familiar um 
And another thing that counseling, even if you think, oh, I don't have anything major, I'm just kind of frustrated. You know, counseling can simply help people become more self-aware of how their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors all intertwine. You know, having somebody from an objective standpoint pick, a, pick it apart with you. Um, and, you know, we evaluate situations in life based on learned and reinforced assumptions. We all do that. Nobody is immune from that. That's kind of the human experience. Um, and help getting real help can help show where we have learned our assumptions and then challenge the correctness of those assumptions, whether they line up with the truth or not. Um, Because sometimes wrong beliefs and assumptions, they're not going to just yield to suggestions or a good sermon or a podcast. Right. Um, Because that does not require fellowship. That does not require vulnerability or relationship. Sometimes God is requiring us to have relationship and be vulnerable with a person Mm. to challenge us in our beliefs and assumptions and break those apart because really these assumptions and these beliefs um, have just like the jail cell, they've served a purpose. They're familiar, they're comfortable, they're a defense mechanism. And it's very painful to pry that apart without the safety and the help of a counselor. Um, And I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, I think, I, I always say everybody should go to counseling at least once. Christian counseling. Now, secular counseling, we will talk about that later. Um, but counseling that just shows where where am I not lining up with God's word. Okay, so I want to ask you this question then, Lacey. So why or when should I seek counseling or therapy? And you kind of touched on this, but is counseling therapy should everybody be doing it okay should everybody be in it or what are your thoughts i think everybody should have somebody that they um speak to like a mentor i don't i don't know that necessarily everybody needs to have a clinical counseling um i think it's great if you can at least once uh, but i'm not gonna st- i'm not gonna say that everybody has to have that but if you don't have people in your life that are challenging you and that have um, an, an objective perception of your life, then you're going to just be kind of walking around in a fog. Even if it doesn't feel like it, you, you know, everything, every decision you make, every feeling you have is going to be filtered through only you. And Travis, that's where you, you kind of talked about no man is an island. If, if it's only filtered through you, ooh, I just, I don't know. It's probably not that great. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say <laughs> this. Well, I don't yeah. I mean, look, okay. If I can think I'm cool all day long, you know, but that really doesn't mean anything. I'm not really that cool by myself, but it's the relationships and the people that get to speak right. into my life that make us better. You know what I mean? It's, and I think those, mm-hmm. those relationships, like you mentioned that challenge us, you know, maybe you put on a hat and you, you thought, Oh my gosh, this hat is the best hat, you know, ever. And somebody looked at that hat and they said, you know, I don't quite think that's the right look, you know, and mm-hmm. we need to be open. We need, if you don't have those people, who can challenge you, who can tell you something mm-hmm. contrary to where what you're thinking, feeling, going. You need to have those people in your life, Michelle. What are your thoughts? Does everybody need counseling? Who's it for? You know what? I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like, you know, I think of iron sharpens iron. Right. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And it's like, as a married person for almost 20 years, 
um, it's amazing what you learn about yourself <laughs> when you're married and when you have children. And if you, you want to talk about vulnerability, it's like having a spouse and having children opens up this whole other can of who am I? Why am I existing? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why am I not doing? It's like how the Apostle Paul went back and forth. I want to do things, but right. I don't. What I do want to do, mm -hmm. I don't do. What I know I should do, I don't do. And it's like, as I think everybody should go to some form of have some type of friend. And I hate to say everybody needs to go to counseling, but it's it's you need somebody in your life that's going to hold you accountable and look at your behaviors. And I'm laughing because that's a spouse is like there's no remedy <laughs> from them. It's mm -hmm. like they are there. Your kids are there. And now it's like my kids, my, my kids are at a point. I have an eight-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 18-year-old. And it's amazing how I raised them. And now if I say something, you know, like anything, my son will look at me and go, that sounds like a heart issue. And I'm like. <laughs> Where do you hear that from, right? He's 14. Yeah. And so it's, you know what? Man, I've done a good job, but now it's turning around. And putting a mirror yeah. up to my face. And so it's like, we need people like that. And being in those, we yeah. put ourselves in situations where we're going to be outside of our comfort zone and be mm -hmm. challenged. Even having foster children in your home, I'm telling you what, they push your butt. Like, mm -hmm. But the thing is, they're used to chaos. They're not used to a home filled with love. They're not used to a home with structure and discipline. And they fight it. And they fight it and they fight it. Mm -hmm. And then when they get on the phone or when I take them to their therapist, it's like, we have to have a family therapy thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, tell me how you feel. Why did you act this way? And then it goes back to, well, right. I'm afraid of, you know, walking to school. I'm afraid of being chased by the cartel. But you're in a safe place. You're not by the valley anymore. You're not on the border mm -hmm. of Mexico. But my relative was killed by, you know, and if a car is driving slow by me, then. Um, I'm afraid they're going to snatch me and it's the cartel. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to break that mindset and that mold. And Lacey, going back to what you were saying, when we have be believed lies as a truth, it becomes a stronghold. That's the mm -hmm. biblical concept. It becomes a stronghold in our life. And that is not something that's going to just be washed away quickly. It's a lie that has been believed to be true. And these people, and you think, why does the woman continuously stay in this abusive relationship? Because she thinks that's all she's worth. She mm. thinks she mm -hmm. doesn't deserve more. And she probably came from a home where she herself was abused as a child. Or maybe even was told, you'll never amount to anything. And so, do I believe everybody should get some form of counseling? Yes. Especially before you get married. And then, mm. as you're married because you are not the same person that you were when you were first married because you're learning and growing and then it's like these, all these things start coming out in you and um, you want to be the best that you can be for the Lord but also for the people around you and um, I've been in so many situations I've been in so many situations especially when you have discernment and when you walk in the spirit by the spirit I know that I'm sitting at a playground and a mom will come sit next to me and she starts mm -hmm. talking about, I just let my kid have it this morning and I railed on them and 
and I don't know why that I was so mean and I'm and I'm always so and so then it's like I'm just listening and you know but I'm listening in my spirit and then it's like well how was your mom with you when you were growing up and they look mm-hmm. at me like they're shocked and then it's like yep. there's lots of tears happening on the playground but the Holy Ghost can move on the playground too as much as he can move from behind a pulpit or in an altar because the Holy yep. Spirit ministry goes with us wherever we are and so but if we are yeah. to ourselves and allowing the holy spirit to move in us that it's going to move through us and what he's doing in our lives what we allow him to do it will be done in others so iron sharpens iron yes i believe everybody should attend Absolutely. yeah i just want to can i can i add on to that because Absolutely. she kept there was a theme there um i'm trying to see the best way to, to go about this you, you, you know, you, you kind of touched on identity. Like, why do I keep going back to these relationships? Um, I, right now I work, I work with addiction for the most part. That's, that's my main job as, as well as counseling. Um, but it's kind of like, why do I keep doing this? And another, and, um, there's a book that I read and it was basically about, um, sexual brokenness. Uh, I don't know if you want to go there, but, um, and so the, the author pretty much said that the church has been dealing with cyclical sin, um, the wrong way. It's just, Oh, don't think about that. Oh, just go fix your heart. Just go, go pray about it. Instead of, um, we just ignore weaknesses and sin, ignore it, pray over it when we should be exploring those things. Like, okay, what exactly are you thinking when you, before you use heroin or before you go play five hours on your phone of a game that's really not you know that because that's an addiction yeah. too or what are you thinking before you go watch something you shouldn't be watching what was the if we don't ex- right if we don't explore those things and a lot of times it goes back to childhood one of the quotes in the book is um trying to live a life of sexual purity without addressing the past trauma that got you in that place is pretty much impossible. Um, and I tell, this came up a few years ago, I was doing groups, psychiatric groups in a psychiatric hospital. And I had a lot of moms or people in their forties, just completely confused. Why am I in a psychiatric hospital for the first time thinking about something that happened when I was five years old. And so it became a theme and we want to be careful not to focus too much on the past, but if you don't go to the past, you're not going to really have a good roadmap of how to have a successful future. So I just, I felt like it was from the Holy Spirit. I, I, I asked them, you know, if you're on a, on an Island, a deserted Island and you break your arm, what's going to happen? And they say, Oh, it's going to heal, but it's going to heal, you know, all crooked. And so let's say, yeah, your, your arm is going to heal crooked and incorrectly. And then let's say you get rescued. You have, professionals you have people that love you and giving you support what is the first thing they have to do to correct your arm well they have to break it and so the brain is the same way maybe something that happened when you were three years old it got shoved away into this filing cabinet because your brain is designed to protect itself and when you're three years old some things you just your body can't handle so you put it away but that doesn't mean it just goes away and so what happens is when you turn 25 or 26 or 30 or 40, all of a sudden, your brain could be saying, all right, you're fine. You're developed enough. Let's deal with this. <laughs> and so these things will come up from when you were three or five years old. And it's very confusing to people. 
And the church, what I've seen, it's kind of changing, but in the past, it's just, why are you thinking about that? That was 20 years ago. The blood of Jesus covered that, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's the <laughs> so, enemy bringing up the past. That's what it is. It's right. the enemy bringing up the past. But it's, 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 un, it's things that you never actually processed with an adult brain. And it's right. the same, going back to the, the island and the broken arm, your arm needs to be rebroken to heal correctly. And so sometimes we, the mind is broken to heal correctly. Um, and that's what professionals and exhorters in the church and encouraging friends are for. So that's my. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Input on that. Yeah. And, and I've a lot of like people that I've had conversations with. It's so funny because like you'll, you'll get to about maybe like 24, 25, you know, and um, they go to counseling and then they get mad at their parents because it's like, I'm the reason I'm this way is because you did this growing up. And it's like, whoa, hold on. Like that isn't permission for you to get mad at your parents. You know what I mean? Because I see that happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's important to know. Well, Michelle, Michelle, go for it because you're a parent. (laughs) <laughs> you do have to realize where where that emptiness is coming from because whenever right. you start having not you but when people start expressing having these behaviors, what they are is it's fruit. It's fruit mm-hmm. from a tree, a seed that was planted years ago. And I know Lacey says she doesn't like to go too much into the past, but in my experience, it always goes back to childhood. Yes, and. I'm not, I'm not an advocate for blaming parents, mm-hmm. but let's talk about it. Where, mm-hmm. you know, but let's, yeah. let's talk about it, you know? And I've dealt with the repercussions of parents not fulfilling their role in children's lives as a foster parent. I've dealt with grown adults. I've dealt with 16-year-old men and women who are still crying because mm-hmm. their parents divorced when they were little i've dealt with elderly people at the church in the church who don't feel loved and have never felt loved or all they want to do is work and work and work and work because that's the only time they ever got positive affirmation from their fathers growing up right yeah and 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 so the work became their identity and so when Mm -hmm. they come to christ it's like who am i and you want to tell a man to take his family on vacation but yet I feel worthless if I'm not working and I'm not providing for my family. That's, those are honorable things, but there has to be a right. balance. Or when you're dealing right. with promiscuity or a prostitute on the side of the road, I've dealt with them and I've ministered with them and to them. Where, where did this all happen? It came from their childhood. Where is the lie? Mm-hmm. And what is the truth? What is the fact and what is the truth? My father did this to me and abused me and took advantage of me and sold me to his friend to have sex when I, when I was five years old. Mm. And I'm dealing with a teenager now who is going nuts sleeping around with boys, but because she thinks that's the only way she can feel love. So let's talk about that. You know, even in grown adults, it's not easy to talk about this thing. So I am not an advocate for blaming parents because, when we did have, when we do have our foster kids, and they're, I'm sorry. But you have to acknowledge, I'm sorry you're in this situation. It's not your fault you're in this situation. Mm-hmm. However, 
you can't change the past. You know, it was really mm-hmm. crappy. It really sucked that your mom was on drugs and your father was abusing your mom and beating the crap out of you and all your siblings that you had to pass around one can of corn between eight siblings that you never got to eat because you wanted to make sure they ate first. Let's talk about that. But right now you are in a safe place. I promise you have a warm bed. You have food in your refri- in the refrigerator. You have clothes on your back. What can we help? What can we do to move you forward? Yes, your parents were crappy. And yes, this situation was terrible. But how can you move forward? Because right. you had no control of your past. But now you have control of your future. It's in your control. But these kids, these people have a very difficult time shifting their mindset. It's like you're in a safe place, but they're always in survival mode. And I go mm-hmm. back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If those needs were not yeah. fulfilled as they were children growing up, meaning mm-hmm. your basic necessities, shelter, clothing, food, sleep. If those things were not satisfied when they were young, they're always going to be in a survival mode where they cannot even see themselves achieving anything great other than did I get to eat today? Did right. somebody not take advantage of me today? And that's, mm-hmm. where, that's where the counseling comes in. Let's walk you through this process and let's take short, short-term short goals and long-term goals and break it down to where you're not so overwhelmed that you say, forget it, I'm not even going to try anyway. So right. I, I'm a yeah, no, but I Mm-hmm. I'm big on going in the bat in the past too. I think what I meant was, um, I guess in the secular sense where they, it, there's, um, there's a saying by Freud, he didn't say this, but we say it. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. <laughs> so those kind of secular um, philosophies of everything is stemmed from the past. It kind of takes away responsibility for the future. Um, but yes, validating the past, validating that it wasn't your fault, validating that and breaking off this pseudo loyalty. Yes, your mother, you love your mother. Yes, you're loyal to her. But let's admit what happened or your father or whoever. Um, that doesn't mean we're bashing them. That, that doesn't mean that they didn't do the best that they knew how. Um, and part of that comes from an understanding of where they were coming from, too. What happened to them when they were growing up? You know what I mean? And so um, that actually aids in forgiveness understanding where they were coming from but i'm very i am very much going into the past but not not in the sec not the way the secular world just stays there and makes an excuse for for adulthood right right how can we move forward yeah and i'll say this personally because i mean i experienced this in my own life you know my father wasn't able to be in my life he just wasn't. And kind of, you know, to touch on this, I mean, there's that expression like the cards that were dealt, right? Like we don't, we're just, we're just dealt cards sometimes. And I'm just so grateful that no matter what we're dealt with, the Lord, he sees it all. He knows it all. And Jesus has made so much identity available to us. He's given us his word. And I'm telling you guys, if I didn't have my Bible growing up and if god didn't become my father i would be a statistic of every other guy who's on drugs because his dad wasn't in his life you know what i'm saying 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I just want to I just want to give somebody hope today like, "Oh my gosh, like Jesus is there." Um and and uh and this stuff is real, like healing is real, you know, as much as we talk about cyclical habits and deep-rooted things, like there is a situation where the Lord can get involved. And so that kind of leads us into this next thing, Lacey, I'm very curious What's the difference between having a spirit-filled, you know, Bible-based Christian counselor versus a secular counselor? Okay, what 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 should we expect? What's the difference? Can you get a bad counselor? Yes, you can have a bad counselor. I think I think <laughs> okay. most, but I think most counselors have the right motive. Um, and I'm not saying that. And I and there are some good counselors out there that aren't Christian. I'm not I'm not discrediting that. Um, there are some fabulous people, but ultimately the ultimate answer comes from Christ. And I, and I say that unapologetically, I've worked in the secular realm of mental health for about 10 years now, and there's no answer like Christ. (laughs) And so, but there are tools, there are tools that we can take from, I know I just made a joke about Freud earlier. We can take tools from him. We can take tools from Maslow. We can take tools from Jung and um, Adler and all those people that are really good tools. And we filter them through the word. If they're not filtered through the word, I don't trust it. So secular counseling, I would say for the most part, the goal is personal happiness, right? I'm not happy. I'm miserable. I need help. I need counseling. Let's just make you happy. That's not the goal of Christian counseling. Happiness becomes a byproduct. But if it is the goal, it's you'll get happy in one area and then it won't be enough. And then you have to get happy in this area. It's not enough. You're never content. Um, The goal of Christian counseling is to free people from whatever hinders them from loving God and others and worshiping in spirit and truth the way we were designed to. Simple answer. Um, And also, I would say another way to explain Christian counseling is it's its ultimate goal is also to help Christians identify behaviors that are inconsistent with God's teaching so that they become more accepting of God's will and not their own. Because a lot of times in secular counseling, if a person's selfish needs, we all have selfish needs for our, our biggest needs in life are security and um, security and significance. I believe every single issue can go down the root issues um, go down to those two things. Um, and if a person's selfish needs for pleasure and exhorting power um, are not being met, usually a secular counselor will find some way to satisfy those needs. So a lot of times we're seeing dysfunction being celebrated. Right. Um, we're seeing um, just really, really bad little cliche sayings like burn the bridges before they get you you know you know just like really really yeah yeah, yeah. like what fortune cookie did you get that from right right yeah right and so and it's all well-meaning but it's just putting a band-aid on everybody's trauma and everybody's issues and everybody's you know we're all lost and we're looking you know for a savior i just got a little too spiritual there but ultimately that's what it is and so um yeah i think i think that that does it. The, the ultimate goal is holiness and happiness should be a byproduct. That doesn't mean that you just pray the whole time. <laughs> that that's totally other end of the spectrum. Um, 
but there should definitely be um, the Holy Spirit helping the counseling, in my opinion. Yeah, because he's there, right? He's there. He's real. Why shouldn't he be involved? Come on. Right. And he knows you better than 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 I would know a, a client or better than the client would know themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I've heard crazy stories in business, like counseling business, you know, of people that are spirit filled. They get in the meeting and they said, yes. the Lord is showing me X, Y and Z and your company needs to do this. And that honors the Lord. You know, but kind of going back to something that you said, Lacey, before I toss it over to Michelle here, um, that whole thing, like it's happiness, it's what you want. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. To think that our lives are about glorifying us. Like how shallow is that? This is where they're coming from. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is, this is their mindset. And that's why sin is being celebrated and dysfunction is being celebrated. Lost identity is being celebrated. Not only tolerated, but it is literally celebrated. It's being um, celebrated. And even take out, the, take out biblical, take out the Bible from a clinical perspective. We never counsel somebody to change the world around them to fit their identity. Wow. And that's what's happening now. The world is yeah. having to change to con- to conform to people's unmet trauma. And I say this very carefully because there's no black and white issue here. Everybody is different, but they're asking the world to accept this dysfunction, this um, misery. We even celebrate anxiety and depression by saying, oh, my anxiety. You know, there's whole social media accounts based on how funny my anxiety is. We're celebrating this dysfunction. And, and like I said, take the Bible out. No, no counselor should, would do that. Would say, no, we, we wouldn't say, yeah, let's change the whole world around you. It's all their fault. No, we're like, what's in you? What needs to change in you Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that you can tolerate, you know, so that you're not triggered all the time or so you're not, you don't need a safe place all the time. It's just very, yeah, I could I could do a whole podcast on that, but I'll just yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll end know, it on that. <laughs> Pontius Pilate he turned to Jesus and he said, "What is truth?" You know what I mean? What is truth? And you know, when we look at people in a secular world, that is so flexible. It is so loose. There is no Lord. There is no God. But for us that know God, it's like no, we know what the truth is. It's not a flexible thing. It's not like shaky or like we can build a foundation on it. You know, so um, Michelle, did you want to speak into anything about spirit filled counseling? I'm sure the Lord has used you in situations. <laughs> I'm going to, I have a perfect story. So as a foster parent, we have a lot of interaction with psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, counselors, um, medication, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the the children, the foster children that we take into our home, they're boys who are delinquent, um, traumatized, on the verge of going into a facility until they turn 18, like terrible behavior. And so we had this one boy, and he was 16 years old, and we were on our way to a birthday party, a family birthday party, and he did not know why we celebrated Christmas. He was on all kinds of medication and stuff, and a 16-year-old boy didn't know why we celebrated Christmas, and we were getting ready for Christmas. So I start from our house 
to a 30 minute drive. I start from Adam and Eve. I go through the entire story of okay. Adam and Eve, Noah and the Ark, Moses <laughs> and Egypt. Yeah, you I gave him the whole Bible. David and Goliath, all of it. Jesus being born, man being filled with sin, Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead, the rapture. I go through the whole thing. I have 30 minutes. I get to the end. I get to we pull up to the birthday party. The boy is sobbing. Sobbing. And I said, what do you think about all this? And he looks up at me and he says, I didn't know somebody could love me that much. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, he goes, Jesus took a bullet for me. That was his, his wow. lingo. Jesus took a bullet for me. <laughs> I said, he did. I said, what do you think about all that? He goes, I need to go tell my mom. And I looked at him like, he says, I no. need to tell her all of it. And I said, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again? And one day he's going to come back and receive his church. And he goes, yes. I said, have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? And I know salvation is more than just an ABC prayer. I know right. that he needed something tangible at this moment. He was sobbing. And, I, and he says, I want to. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with the, the, the dude that took a bullet for me and gave his life for me. And he goes, what do I need to do? And I said, let's pray. Do you want to pray? Yes. Let me tell you this. So his therapist comes to the house. She has a meeting with him. Apparently, she calls me downstairs because their meeting is private. And she's irate. <laughs> and she, he was preaching to her. He was witnessing <laughs> to her. And she wanted to know. Freshly why, saved. Yeah. Why we brainwashed this kid. And I'm looking oh. at her like, and then I said, what do you mean brainwashed? And she goes, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about going to heaven. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking. He doesn't want to talk about his anger, his depression, his drugs, his gang, his skipping school, his all these things. He doesn't want to talk about any of those things. All he wants to talk about is Jesus. You guys have brainwashed him. And I'm laughing. Like, I'm rejoicing <laughs> what I'm doing. And so then she starts saying that she's going to report me to the state of Texas for brainwashing. Report. And I'm like, I said, you know what? I said, do you want to report me for brainwashing this kid? He's no longer suicidal. He's actually, his medication has been reduced because he's doing so well. He's no, he doesn't want to kill himself anymore. He's not skipping school anymore. He's passing his classes. He's off drugs. He no longer mm -hmm. sacks his pants. He's lifting up his pants. He, he, he had to get, I know that sounds ridiculous. He had to get initiated out of, de-initiated out of his game. So he had to go and get the, get the crap beat out of him, out of, I don't know how many mm -hmm. game members in order to get out of the game because that's not what Jesus would do and that's not how Jesus would live. And my homeboys are wanting me to do things that I know Jesus wouldn't want me to do. Wow. All wow. No longer suicidal. Medication is reduced. I'm passing my classes. I want to go to school. I don't want to dress like a gang member anymore. I don't want to be in a gang anymore. And I have to go tell my mom about this Jesus because I bet she doesn't know. 
And so I told her, if you want to report me, then so be it. But as far as I'm concerned, this boy's life is a life change. And it's all because of Christ. Thank you for your help. Mm-hmm. I know that I know that you have a contract to fulfill with the state and coming and doing your therapy. But if that's what's going on inside of him, then there's no denying what God has done in his life. And God can do in one moment what you and everybody else and all that's the right. in a lifetime could not do. Praise the Lord. Yeah. No, and I love stories like that. I love stories like that because because I do a lot of the um, mind renewal work, but I can never forget that sometimes it just takes one moment with, with the Holy Spirit. And obviously we, we continue to renew our mind, but um, I never want to be like that social worker or that counselor where it's like, no, this can't be, this can't be. No, it can be. <laughs> if you can't, you can't explain it. I can't explain what, how God comes into a heart and totally renews. And this boy has hope. This boy was hopeless last week. Mm-hmm. He wanted to kill himself. And this week he has hope. And you know what he did when we went to the family visit? He witnessed to his mom and he prayed Aww. for his mom. And it, listen, his mom got off drugs. His mom wow. got a house, got a job, got a boyfriend or somebody. They <laughs> had their life. And you know yes. what? The boy came back with his mother. That is the only amazing, case yeah. in of, of about 50 boys that we've had in our home in 15 years. That's the only case that the boy went back to his mother. Mm-hmm. He witnessed to his mother and she got saved. And it might not have looked like a perfect little, and you know, I can't explain what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a person. But I told, and I had to, I had to talk to the to CPS. I had to talk to them on behalf of how we're uh, raising our, our foster children. I said, every child that is coming to our house, we don't push our faith on them. We don't push because we're not allowed to. We don't push our beliefs right. on them. But when we continue to love them and not give up on them, and we give them hope, and you have a man who loves them but yet can discipline them and talk to them about what's going on in their heart and why do you want to be here? Why are you punching holes in the wall? Do you feel out of control? It's because you feel out of control. Do you feel like you're not loved right now? Do you feel like you're you have no purpose right now? I'm gonna listen to you and you're not gonna push me away. I care about you. When you approach people with that kind of love, it, it, it messes with their mind that they're It so does. Yeah, they're not they used to it. And so I can't explain what God did that day, but it was a work of God and that is on the complete opposite ex- end of the spectrum. And I'm not, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm not a life counselor, but when this boy didn't know why we celebrated Christmas, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to apologize for it. And so the only, the only way that, the only thing that kept me out of trouble and kept us out of trouble with the state of Texas was because the fruit that came forth from it. The right. boy was passing his classes, he wasn't running away, his medication was being reduced. I didn't reduce his medication. The, the psychiatrist did what he saw the light in his eyes and heard how he was sleeping better and he was able to focus at school. And so we cannot neglect the spirit moving right. in this, the secular counseling and thank God for Christian counselors, because if it's not biblically based, then what ground do you have to stand on? What is your measure of healthy? What is your measure of good without God? There, right. is, no- there is none. Mm-hmm. There's none. There's no, it doesn't end. You just keep going and finding more band-aids. 
And then you have to ask, how is it that a 16-year-old lived in the 21st century and doesn't know why we celebrate Christmas? I was convicted as a believer. What am I doing to make sure that the gospel is going forth? We assume because we live in America, everybody knows that there's hope and they don't. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure whether we're in a formal controlled setting or out on the playground or in the grocery store, we have to make sure that people know there's hope because they're seeking counseling because they feel hopeless. Whether it's Christian right. counseling, secular, they, they are hopeless and they feel helpless and out of control. And the only grounding that we're going to get that's going to last is scriptural. Mic drop. Oh my gosh. Let's go. (laughs) I love stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I always, I've told people, I said, man, I don't ever want to bank on some, on people's hopelessness. I want you in and out. I don't want to have to rely on your money professionally. I want them in and out, not prematurely. I don't want them to be finished with counseling prematurely if it needs to go on. But man, I would love people to just get in, get out. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's, you know, use the right tools here um, and get healed. And that's where fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church can walk through because yes, yes they're in and out of counseling, but the Holy Spirit is always working in us to, right. to sharpen us, to make us look more like Christ. And so it's what are we doing spiritually and in the church? Because the, the, the hard thing, we need people in the church to be trained on how to walk people through, maybe not LPC, but in spiritual matters, because people want to get better. Mm -hmm. They want to know to do better, but they don't know how. And without feeling guilty or shame for it. And not celebrated like, oh, you have anxiety. Yay, I have anxiety too. Okay, well, what steps can we take to alleviate this and feel like we have more control of our lives? And we lose control by giving control to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense and perfect sense. All it makes no time. sense, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can touch on the anxiety, you know, just just anxiety. I think that's one of the that is the biggest thing that everybody has right now. And I personally think it has to do with social media and um, all this new technology that we Absolutely. have. It really plays a big part. But I myself have dealt with you know anxiety and panic, and um, when I had people surrounding me that didn't let me shame myself for it. Um, they were very open about it. They were very, um, there's no shame in this. You're, you're reaching out. It was like every time I would share it, it would alleviate it a little bit. That was step one. And then step two was I kind of would learn how to process through it and see where is this actually coming from. And then once I figured that out, step three was, all right, now it's time for me to choose, which is not very popular when you talk about anxiety. But but I didn't I didn't surpass step one and two, which is being accepted and not shamed, and then processing through where it came from. But step three was the word, prayer, and choosing not to um, just choosing to take thoughts captive. And so there is a huge responsibility and work when it comes to true counseling. We have to take responsibility. And that's not very popular at all. Um, it's easier to celebrate instead of actually take responsibility for my part in it. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Lacey, I love that you, that like all of the steps, it's like there's practical and spiritual. And I'm telling you, like, you know, if we just have the spiritual, we're miss and we miss the practical, then we, you know, like how much frustration does that bring to our lives when the Lord is like, no, you don't understand. You gotta get these practicals. Like you gotta, mm -hmm. you cannot move forward until you get this. Well, no, I'll just more, more spiritual stuff, more thinking that's the issue. You know, maybe if I get more faith, like, oh my gosh, listen. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. spiritual bypassing defense mechanism and not real spirituality or real faith it's it's not right absolutely it is a it is a farce it is a dupe <laughs> you know what i'm saying we got to get the practicals so that being said um i want to kind of wrap up with this how can we be proactive about mental health so um you know we don't you know some people when they think they have an issue they're like oh my gosh i I gotta, and they start, it starts to give them anxiousness and anxiety, you know, and when, I know we just talked mm -hmm. about that, but how can we be proactive about mental health while maybe not like obsessing about it, you know, thinking about it all the time? Um, Lacey, would you like to start us off? Sure. I can say two things. Um, one is everybody, there's, there's three levels in my mind of counseling not clinical the third level is clinical but everybody in the church every believer is level one encouragers somebody comes to church how are you feeling oh my my dog is sick oh i'm sorry you know sometimes just knowing that they're loved and appreciated can help um sometimes it requires level two which is exhorters which would be like michelle um people who are who have been in ministry in the church who can kind of touch on behave wrong behaviors and wrong feelings and then step three is where we need to challenge wrong philosophies and wrong beliefs so everybody that's kind of answering a question about being proactive the first step is reach out to somebody that you trust right um and they may refer you to someone else and, and refer you higher so the first step is to have to not be isolated have fellowship um second thing i'll say i'll i'll, I'll use personal experience you know i'm a i live here in New York. Um, I've been here since July 2019. So I was here before the pandemic and then during the pandemic. And so, you know, I know you guys saw it all the news. We were the worst, you know, everything shut down. It was very isolated. It was very, very isolating, very eerie. Um, and then I came home, some, some really dear friends, mutual friends of ours, um, just wanted to get me home and get me out of there. And so I stayed with them and it just so happened that that week, my grandmother was suddenly given two weeks to live. And anybody that knows me knows my grandmother is my family. That was my home. That was my person. Um, and so I just so happened to be home and she died within a week. So I knew that she was dying. I knew that I was going to be coming back to New York city, totally isolated. Church wasn't really happening. Um, I didn't have a roommate at the time. I did, but she was living somewhere else um, because of the pandemic. I was going into work in a working with patients with substance abuse. So that was really my only um, socialization was with people who had issues. And I knew I was going to be grieving very, very deeply. And so I immediately got 
on the phone and found myself a grief counselor for when I came back to New York. That was me knowing, hey, I am going to have to be walking through some things without church, without socialization in a, in a huge city that is still dealing with this pandemic um, in a weird time. Everybody, it's a weird time for everybody. And so that I, I became very proactive that way. It, additionally, so I had a grief counselor, but I also had about three or four um, women that were, I kept very close. I mean, I, I talked to one the other day and I said, you guys were on speed dial. You know, it was, it was, and they were like, I could call them. I could text them any hour of the day. Um, and I, the way I was proactive there is that I allowed myself to be extremely vulnerable more than usual with them. And they knew it. I mean, just kind of in a funny way, vulnerable. Like I would say exactly what I was thinking, exactly how I felt. And it was ridiculous. But I knew that if I didn't do that, I would not grieve correctly. And I allowed myself to grieve. I, I allowed myself to be off of the timeline. Um, but yeah, that was how I was proactive. I knew that the situation of my grief was not going to be normal in any, any time frame of the world. You know, that's not a normal way to grieve. We didn't have a funeral for six months. Um, so there was no closure, feelings of closure there. And so I knew I needed a therapist. I'm a therapist myself. But I, there was no way I could have done that without having somebody to speak to weekly. Um, and that way I could do my job and, you know, not get have any transference onto my clients or get frustrated with them, you know, because they don't deserve that. And I didn't either. So that's my personal story of being proactive. Gosh, I love that. You need those people yeah. on speed dial. You need people you can call. Um, and what's even yeah. better is if you have people that check on you. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm just right. gonna pause. Shout out to all of the people who are like the initiators, who are the checkers. Yeah. They check on people. Hey, <laughs> just checking on you, how's it going? You are more valuable than gold, okay? Just yeah. thank you for your contribution. Um, absolutely, because those, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, you know, my line's always open, but that doesn't really feel like they're there. <laughs> I'm just gonna be real. Right. It's the people that are like, hey, you know, I I saw you you posted something on Facebook and are is everything going good? And those those are the people. <laughs> Do what? The people that will call you out. Like, what was that post? That's not you. Yeah. That's you. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Michelle. Yeah. Woo. Valuable. Well, Michelle's like in your face initiating. What's happening? What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on? I don't ask people. And this is something like when I was at whenever I would teach, I would tell the students, don't ask somebody how they're doing unless you're going to stop and look them in the eye and wait for a response. That kills me. I cannot. I hate yeah. you for visuality. The shallow with, answer. How are you doing? With, yeah. With passion, it kills me when I see people walk by or somebody says, hey, how you doing? But they keep walking because I would always tell the students, <laughs> I would always tell the students, you, don't, you really don't want to know how they're doing. You're just saying that right. to make yourself feel better, not them, to make yourself feel better. If you really want to make a difference in somebody's life and you want to be a kingdom builder, ask them how they're doing, grab them by the arm and stop and look and listen. And if you don't have that kind of time, which I get it, a lot of times we're in a rush, then don't ask. 
just say hello or don't say anything at all. You right, do don't say anything. <laughs> you do more damage when you ask how they're doing because at that point, you could have been their only chance to just spill their gut and say, I'm depressed and I want to kill myself. But instead, you said, hey, how you doing? And you kept walking and didn't take the time. So if you want to be a kingdom builder and you want to be effective and a, and a good friend and a decent human being, take the time to ask somebody, how are you doing? And mean it. If you don't, don't ask me or don't ask other people. And so then they, they thought it was funny to when Whitby walked by, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And I thought, I'm doing and then I realized they were making fun but anyway um what was the question no yeah 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 now here's what I'll hear people do too y'all probably heard people do this oh how are you doing and it's like oh good the superficial answer right and then and then the same person will ask hey how are you doing really and then that's like the cue like you know, and I'm telling you, it'll be in the randomest spots. You might be in the restroom. You might be walking down the hall. You might be riding around and they needed a ride. So like you're, it's like the ride is like maybe five minutes or, and you know, and it turns into like 20 minute conversation. I can't tell you when this stuff is going to happen, but it does, <laughs> but it does, you yeah. know? So anyways, yeah, so I, I just wanted to go. But Michelle, I want to know, what are some tips? How can we be proactive about mental health just to, you know, be be aware, be conscious? Coming from a church perspective, we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We can be proactive by talking about it and stop acting like it doesn't exist and stop acting like we're all perfect because we're not. Yeah. And I mean, and I know that's hard to hear especially as a faith-filled, Holy Ghost-filled person. But you know what? I have problems just like everybody else does. And I have to try and figure out my way, crawl my way out of a hole sometimes just like everybody else does. So we need mm -hmm. to talk about it. We want to be proactive. Stop acting like it doesn't exist. Stop acting like somebody is less faith-filled because they don't know how to deal with their depression. And don't act like right, you've never right, been. Right. We all know you have because you're a human being. And at some point, life hits you hard. And we need to talk about it. As a church, as a body of Christ, we need to talk about it. And then when we do talk about it, we don't need to shame and guilt people. We need to be honest about it. And say, mm -hmm. you know what? I felt like that too. And this is what I did to pull my way out of the hole and how God helped me or how I, start, I sought counseling. You know, or these are the steps that I took. Instead of bashing people, let's be real. Instead of responding with, oh, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You know what? I'm having a really hard day. Yeah. You know? And even yeah, that's good. Can you just listen? Listen to my heart. And you know what? We need to take the time to invest into people rather than the shallow relationships that we have with people in passing in church because Christ did life. He did life with these disciples so they could see how he lived. And yet they still had issues, even up to the cross. They still had <laughs> a lot of still had issues. Judas yeah. had issues. Yep. You know, everybody had issues, even when they had the Son of God right in front of their faces. Mm. And so we to talk about it 
We need to not shame people for it. We need to invest in relationships with people, meaningful relationships where we can just talk and be real and spill our hearts out. And then with people who are going to challenge us and sharpen us, mm-hmm. not people that are as shallow as we are, you know, right. meaningful relationships and um, right. be truthful and say, this is what I was going to do. I wanted to die. When I had my miscarriage and lost the baby, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't know how I didn't know how to deal with that kind of hurt. And no matter mm-hmm. how many times my husband cussed me, no matter how I mean I had two other children already, but it's like no matter the food that people brought over, no matter the I realized that, and I already knew this, but when you go through things, I realized there was a place inside of me that only God could reach. Only God himself could reach. And I think God designed mm-hmm. us that way to fill those holes in our hearts that is not made for no man, no woman, no drugs, no amount of sex, no, no awesome food, you know, no media. There's nothing that can fill that space other than God. You don't want to mm. live anymore, and you know Jesus. That could be a what? What do you do? And I told that I don't understand, and he said, "If you did understand, would it make a difference? Do you still call me faithful?" I had to make a decision, mm-hmm. and in that, I had to walk it out. Does it mean that I never mm-hmm. felt that way again? No, but I had to. What was what was fact? The fact is, I didn't want to live anymore, and I didn't know how to deal with the pain in my heart from losing a baby. The truth is, I never left you, and I never, I've never forsaken you. The same God, I'm the same God that was there on the day your children were born for the ones that are living, and I'm the same God that was there on the day you lost that child. That's hard. That's real life. And, and I love God and I love Jesus, but I didn't want to live because I didn't know how to deal with that pain and that hurt, and I felt guilty for being alive when my baby was gone. And mm. so that's hard to deal with. And I should have sought counseling, Lacey. I should have. I don't know why I did. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even mm. think of it being an option. Maybe, I didn't. It I wasn't, don't know can we unpack that? Was it because you didn't feel like the church had pointed you in that direction? <laughs> you know and what I'm saying? Did. Was it the conditioning? You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where's my faith? I'm stronger than this. Mm-hmm. I know better than this, but why do I feel this way? I feel this way because this is life. I'm a grieving mother. I didn't know how, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to, I didn't, I felt like life was not this way. And that's crazy to say because I know better. And so I had to process that on my own. But has somebody come alongside me and say, I think, let's go to counseling. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you. You know, have mm-hmm. you considered this? Instead, it was like I heard things like, "Well, God knew better." Don't tell mm-hmm. somebody that. Oh gosh! You know. Don't don't say <laughs> you'll see that. them. You'll see them later. They're in your future. No, no that's <laughs> not comforting to me. If anything, that makes me. Or people would tell me it's okay to be mad at God, and honestly, I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't. I just mm-hmm. didn't understand, and I kept telling right. God. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why. And I felt like he spoke mm-hmm. to me and said, even if he did know why, would it make a difference? 
I mean, that's to me that, you know, and so it's like, I wish the church would have been more proactive more than just spiritually, but you, you're, you're groomed to think that that's all I need. I couldn't even read my Bible. I could see past right. the word. And mm-hmm. that's the truth. And so it's like, I should have sought counseling and it really would have been, you know, really would have been good. But then I was also ashamed to tell, you know, when you go for your checkup after everything, it was like, I didn't even want to tell the doctor because I didn't want to be put on medication. And there's a right. stigma with that too, with medication. Right. And at yeah. this point, after all these years of going through things and dealing with people and working with people, it's like, the help is there. And if you need mm-hmm. help with the medication, then it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but yet in the yeah, church, medication is a tool, right? It's, it's not, it's, it's a it's, tool. Right. And it doesn't have to be forever. It can just be for right now. And mm-hmm. so you get time and process the grieving or the, or whatever the issue is. That was one instance in my life. One of many. <laughs> You know, but I wish that this subject would have been more open. I wish the church, people in the church, the leaders, the pastor would have talked about maybe an instance where they felt like that way. And I would have been able to. Right. You know, I didn't have people come alongside me and say, how are you really feeling mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally? Oh, Michelle's strong. You know, right. I yeah. always checks on everybody else, but sometimes somebody needs to check on me. That's a hard place to be. In, yeah, you know, so um, we need to we need to talk about it, and we need genuine relationships, and we need to not shame people and walk with them through these things and acknowledge what they're going through, and yes, right. point to scripture and point to the word. But a lot of we are, I'm not saying we are the word, but the word in us comes out of us as we bless and listen and empathize and challenge. You know, yeah. I- I would say correction is more um, received with genuine relationship. If you don't really care for the person or don't know them, don't try to challenge them. Unless unless you're the pastor or that's your biblical place. Um, But I mean, I have somebody in my life who knows me, has known me since I was 15. um, And is very empathetic, very like, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this, blah, 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 blah. Um, but there was one thing we were talking about, just kind of texting back and forth about, and I said something, and I had talked about it before, and she knew me, um, and she knew that I'm done with the processing, I'm done with this, you know, she knew it would not be premature to say this, but she just said, all right, it's time to get over it, it's time, you don't have to stop thinking that way, just stop, and I didn't like it at first, but I went, after about five minutes, I went, let's try that. No, she's right. She's right because she knows me more than anybody, at least in this in this area. And so, but if I didn't know her, and if I didn't know she loved me, and I loved her, I would have just done with you, <laughs> not talking to you anymore. Yeah, you know, not really. I don't do that, but yeah. I wouldn't have let her be a voice in my life anymore. But it really broke me free of some stuff. Um, but be- again, because we had meaningful relationship. A lot of times we want people to get healed on our timeline, and that's a control issue on our part. Um, oh my! On the gosh. opposite end, going back to the counselor or social worker that you dealt with that didn't understand why this sixteen-year-old no longer needed her—that's um, a control issue as well. 
as far as, no, I need you to do it my way. I have the tools and I have the answers. Do it my way on my timeline. So both spectrums are about control, in my opinion. And, and a lot of times that control, I, I would say more on the spirit or both sides, that control comes from fear because you don't know. You, we don't have all the answers. I don't know why, why you had a miscarriage. I don't know. So it's uncomfortable for me. I, I can't sit in it with you. As a pastor, I don't know how to sit in it with you because all I know how to do is be spiritual. So here, let me give you some spiritual platitudes to make me feel better. It doesn't necessarily make you feel better, but it, it excuses me from having to sit with you in your pain. So that's where the genuine relationship and fellowship comes in. And that's just anybody that's in full-time ministry should always check themselves. What am I avoiding? What, what am I avoiding sitting with people in? Because I don't get it and I don't have all the answers. Especially when we're word of faith and Holy Spirit filled, we, we want to believe that we have a lot of control and we have the answers. And it's just, um, I kind of feel like the church, the spirit is breaking that in the church, um, especially with COVID. I mean, you've seen a lot of that been, been broken. Um, like, okay, we're not in control, but God is, and he has ultimate control. So that's where a lot of that, I would say that stigma comes from is that we just, we don't know how to help people because we don't have the answers and we don't have the answers. It's scary. And I just don't want to go there. (laughs) Man, we need to be brave. We need to be honest. We need to be bold. We need to listen. We need to get in people's lives, get in the trenches. Oh my gosh. Call someone today and check on them. If you're listening to this right now, if you're watching this right now, be that friend. Say, hey, yeah. how are you doing really? Check on somebody. Um, you know, maybe you've watched this episode and you're real turned on to the counseling. Hey, look into it. You might need that for this season of your life. Maybe you mm-hmm. grew up, you know, in a situation like we described where, you know, your church might might have been, oh, you know, praise God and you know, blah, 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 and all the Christianese, like just all the, like, no, like, (laughs) you know, um, you know, yeah. So I just want to thank you guys for just being a part of this conversation. I really think it was valuable for some people um, listening. And I just want to thank you for your time, for your ministry, everything that you do for the Lord. Um, Michelle and Lacey, you guys are just such professionals. I just so value our conversation today. Thank you guys.